Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. So I'm going to be finishing out This Is His Voice, part five, all right? Say your name, part five. Part five, come on, get that retention going right now, okay? But man, I'm excited. But and don't raise your hand. But if you have an addictive personality, right, I'm going to raise your I'm going to raise my hand for everybody, right? Who has an addictive personality here? Okay? And I about you, but for me, when I'm into something, I'm all in. There's no gray, there's no in between. It's either black or white and I'm just in, okay? Example for me, um, I am a fan of those Apple AirPod little things, right? I love them so much. I've lost two pairs already, okay? It's been great. Praise God. Now, here's the thing. My first pair, I think my four-year-old lost them. My wife thinks I lost them. We're still kind of, like, talking about that. But the second pair, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to lose these. Like, we're good. Like, I mean, these are important to me. Like, I need to have them. And so last week, my wife and I, we deep cleaned our house. And one glorious morning, I walked into our closet. And I looked around. I'm like, I saw a white little box in there. Guys, just the heavens parted. Like, I was just, I was elated with joy. I mean, I was, I was pumped. So, but the thing, I open up the case, and what I found, I only find one AirPod. And I'm like, the devil's a liar. Seriously, God? I thought you had a plan for me. I thought you had a future for me. And so, th- what did this ad- addictive personality do? I'm like, well, within that hour, I went to the Apple store, got the second AirPod. God, I'm hooked up. It's good, right? And it was, it was it's pretty incredible. But you guys can relate to that, right? Where it's like, man, when you have your mind on something, you just have, have to have it. Like, and it's just so easy, right, for us to become dependent on things and not even realize that we're dependent on those things. Speaking about dependency, I have a thing for coffee. Some of you guys might know that. Some of you guys, well, you, I, mean, I don't know how you wouldn't know that. But, but I am, by the grace of God, I am on day 25 of no coffee. I know. Hey, don't, don't cheer too loud, okay? It's been brutal. If you saw behind the scenes, you wouldn't be clapping at all, right? Day one, I'm like, this is easy, God. I can go my whole life. Day two, I'm like, God, like, I- I'm not going to go to heaven. Like, I am thinking bad thoughts. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I've had to apologize to my wife so many times. Like, yup, yup, right? Like, I'm just in a bad spot. And so it's just, it's crazy because something I didn't realize is how, literally how dependent I was on coffee. And listen, like, some of you are like, are you going to, like, be off coffee your whole life? I'm like, don't speak that over my life. Like, don't, I didn't ask for your wisdom or your counsel. <laughs> You're not in my small group. And so, but I said, no, I'm going to do 30 days, 31, we're going to celebrate, right? One cup, one cup, that's it. But I, I got to tell you, though, I'm on, I'm on day 7, day 8, day 10. Something, something that nobody warned me was that with not having coffee, it would be 4 p.m. And I felt like I still wasn't awake yet. Like, it's like 7 a.m. So I'm like, God, like, I can't just wake up, you know. So I'm like, I'm literally splashing water in my face like every hour. I'm like, wake up. Like, it's just not working. And finally, about, I want to say, I don't know, day 16, 17, there's this thing called natural energy. I started to experience that again. I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like to be normal and somewhat healthy and have your adrenals completely messed up. And here's the thing I, I, I did really learn though about myself, you know, real talk, is that when I was anxious or stressed out on those days, 
my hand was trying to grab for a cup. Like, I need, I need coffee. I need, I, I need something right now, right? And when I, put my, when I put my hand out, there was tea right there to comfort me. Wasn't the same thing, but I enjoyed it. But the reality is that I didn't realize how much my life was dependent on something else. And here's the thing. Coffee isn't a good thing. Coffee isn't a bad thing. It's just a thing. But we can make things the ultimate thing. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Man, I had some people come up to me after first service. Man, you, have, you convicted me about my coffee life. I'm like, no, I didn't convict you, right? Like, you convicted yourself. Right? I'm still convicted right now. But here's the thing. Coffee is not the problem or any of those things, but, but it's how, like, we're seeing it. It's, like, what we're doing with it. And it's just so easy for us to have these things that we're juggling every single week and be able to really rely on those things. Those things become our, our foundation without even realizing it. There's this book um, by uh, James McDonald, uh, sorry, uh, Gordon McDonald, and it's, the book is called Ordering Your Private World. In chapter one, he talks about this thing called the sinkhole syndrome. Now, if you don't know what a sinkhole is, it is crazy, okay? And what scientists will tell you, a sinkhole happens when the, um, the inner parts um, underground below a foundation, when there is not enough filtration and water flowing through. It dries up completely. Then all of a sudden, the ground is just gone. So Florida, there is apartments. And then, well, there were apartments. There are apartments there. And every cars and, and fences, everything just went down completely. And so what James's point was in, in his story is that a lot of our lives feel and look that way. Where we focus on our public world. Where, man, I'm going to... Man, I want to I want to look successful on the outside. I want to be successful. I want to look a certain way. But when we don't maintain the inside, the convictions, the values, who God's called us to be, eventually we're headed to a sinkhole. And so what he says this is that all of us have a public world. All of us have a private world, and it's so easy for us to focus on the public world. Why? Because it's seen and because it's measurable. It's so easy. I mean, listen, like, it's pretty obvious if you don't come to your job for five straight days. Like, that's a public thing. That's your public life. But what people don't see is your attitude towards your boss. I can't stand that guy. He thinks he's so smart. But he's just the biggest idiot. I mean, I just don't like him. But then we sing all, oh, boss, I love working for you, man. I would never go to anywhere else. Now, you're just, you're the best boss, man. So good. That, that, that is a private world problem, and you are on the track of having a sinkhole because sinkholes don't happen in a day. Sinkholes don't happen um, in just moments. There's those slow, dripping decisions. After a while, it's like, how did I get here? Like, what, what happened to me? I, I, I used to not think that way. I used to not, like, be that way. I used to, I used to be the person that, that, that God wanted me to be. And you don't even have to be a Christian. You don't even have to have faith to believe that. There's this idea of that we should be a certain way, but I'm not there. And it's gone. And so what I want to talk to us today is how we can have our public world and our private world to match. To match more than it is. And to actually have a firm foundation, okay. So that's the sermon title, Firm Foundation. And Jesus had a lot to say about our foundation, particularly in Matthew 7 where he says this. 
Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Continue. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Look to your neighbor and say, foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Think about what Jesus is saying. No matter who you are, the winds are going to come, the rains going to come, the earthquake's going to come, but two things are going to happen. One, your house is going to be on sand or your house is going to be built on the rock. And sand is anything that is not built on the character, the goodness, the words of who Jesus is. And it's just so easy. It's so easy to build our lives on things that might matter in the moment, but don't matter for eternity. So what God's saying is that if you build your life upon me, if you build your life on the, the word of God. We've been in this series called This Is His Voice. And we've been talking about so many different things, but I thought, what a perfect way to close this series. I mean, if we want to have a firm foundation, we need to have the voice of God in our life. We need to know his voice. We need to desire his voice. We need to obey his voice. And, and I have such a passion for this because I got saved when I was 14. I, I, I fell off. 18, I recommitted my life. And finally, I got to a point in my life where it's like, I need to know God's voice for me. I need to know who this personal God is. I just don't want to hear God from a pastor. I mean, those are great, but I want to know God for me, like what that looks like. And so often we're susceptible to building our life on the sand because we don't know what the real stuff looks like. Like we live in a counterfeit world. This is, this is what success looks like. This is what beauty looks like. This is what family, I mean, there's so many attacks um, of the enemy. And I think for some of us, we've accepted the lie that life is just meant to be shaky. So I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to get mine. You get yours. And let's just do it. But that is a lie because there is a rock in Jesus that if you build your life upon him, it's not that you're not going to go through troubles. It's not even that your life won't be shaken. But when you are living on the rock, there's something that God will do where the insides aren't going to shake anymore. There's a peace that can't be taken away. There's a joy that can't be taken away. That in Christ, we can have stability. And can I tell you, our people, our, our world is looking for stability. But they just don't know where to find it. How incredible would it be that this world can look at not just Fountain, but the big C church. Like, wow, how, how are they so stable? How are they so secure? It's not us. We just built our life on the rock. We know what the rock is. And so that's where I want us to dive in today is what does it look like for us to have a firm foundation? A firm foundation. I know a lot of us in this room, and we're just in different spots. We're in different places. And I know even talking about the word of God, that could even be a little controversial. Where it's like, I, I kind of believe, I don't believe. Or no, the Bible is lame. Like We should just rewrite the Bible tomorrow or today. And I got to tell you, this is a safe place for that. Safe place to doubt, a safe place to kind of figure things out. I mean, man, we have Alpha, as Pastor Matt said. We have our Bible college. I mean, there are so many resources that we can help you out with. But there is one thing I want to say. 
And give me some context. It's going to sound a little weird, but give me a minute to, to flesh out, okay? That the Bible is not meant to solve every single one of your questions, but it is meant to solve your biggest problem. Now, what I mean by that is, if you say, Lord, should I go to Chick-fil-A or should I go to In-N-Out? Well, if you ask him today, he's going to say In-N-Out because Chick-fil-A is actually closed today. So probably a bad example. But if you say, Lord, should I choose a chocolate shake or a vanilla shake? He's, probably, he's not going to say anything. And definitely the word of God isn't going to speak into that because that's not, that's not priority. What is priority is that we know our biggest problem. What is our biggest problem? I'm going to say it, the S word, sin. Sin, sin that has separated us from the Father, that has caused division for us not to have a relation with him. And because of that, we are facing a crisis eternity. But that sin problem has also led us to a savior solution. And so if we don't understand that first and if that doesn't get in our hearts, all these little issues we have with politics, with gender, all these things, they're, they're important to God. And God has a solution for it, but it's not going to make any sense outside of the gospel. You guys tracking with me? Does that make sense? And so I, just, I want us to have just a fresh take on how we come into the scriptures and, uh, the, man, the Bible has solutions to everything, but we got to hit the biggest problem first, which is our, our sin nature. So what I want to do, guys, is a lot of you guys who know me, I'm very pragmatic. I like lists, like five ways to read your Bible, ten ways how to further your faith. But I just felt like today, for the beginning part, is I want us to elevate our view of God's word. I want us to, I want us to elevate, like, the voice of God in our lives. Because how many of you know that God's voice isn't the only voice trying to get your attention right now? There's the voice of the enemy. The word tells us that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He just wants to put those lies in you to just not trust God. There, there, there's the lie of culture where John tells us that the, the, the lust of life, the, the pride of this world, it just wants to bring you in into its pattern. We also have our own flesh. Like, not like our physical flesh, but the, the thing inside of us that, that wants to go opposite of God's will. So we need to elevate God's voice above all those voices. How do we do that? Easy. We're going to look in Scripture, okay? So I want us to go to the beginning, literally go to the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. I know most of us, we've probably even read that ourselves in, in, in kids' uh, Bible school. Or maybe even just, man, we just know that because famous verses. And I know it can sound so cliche, but, but just think about this. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless. And literally when God spoke light, there was light. How incredible is that? Did you know God is the only one in the universe that can create something out of nothing? That when he speaks, it happens. There's no delay. There's no, like, I wonder if this is going to happen. No, when God speaks light, there's going to be light. And we need to know that because some of us were in situations where it feels like, man, I've been stuck for a long time. I'm in stagnant. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm in pain. Like, it's just like everything that I'm trying is just not working. God's like, I'm okay with that. I can create something out of nothing. You don't think you have anything to offer? 
That's okay. You couldn't offer me anything anyways. I, when I speak, life happens. So we need to understand that God's voice isn't just loud, but it's powerful. That God's voice isn't just something to, oh, that's great, but no. The scripture tells us that when God speaks, it shakes the heavens and the earth. When the Lord speaks, angels rejoice. So when God speaks, we, just have, we have to just hire our attention to how we hear and uh, value God's voice. So if you're taking notes, jot this down, that God wants his voice to be the most powerful but also personal voice in our lives. He wants to be powerful, but he also wants it to be personal. See, Psalms, David, he tells us that when God speaks, it breaks the cedars of Lebanon. That's a good word. What does it mean? <laughs> cedars of Lebanon. See, in those days, the cedars of Lebanon, man, they were praised for their age, but also their strength. And you would look like, oh, those are the cedars of Lebanon. It's like, this is incredible. Like, it was just amazing. Like, you could have, like, 50 guys just pushing on. It's like, good luck. These guys are strong. But what God is saying is, man, when I speak, the cedars of Lebanon, they break. There's no match for my voice. Some of us, we need to hear that because, man, we are facing barriers in our lives. We are, uh, we are facing bondages. We are facing addictions. There are some things that, man, we don't even want to talk about because we're just feeling so shameful of. But God's voice, when he speaks, he breaks the cedars of Lebanon. And it doesn't matter how long you've been struggling with something, God can break that in just a moment. Just a moment. But also, his voice is personal. See, the Word of God, and I'm going to say a lot of scripture today, so if you don't like it, man, you're not going to like this message because I'm talking about the Bible today. But Isaiah talks about that my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But yet we hear Jesus say, hey, when you talk, when you pray to God, say, our Father in heaven, he's so personal. He's so close. In fact, that when, when Jesus became your Lord and Savior, he put the Holy Spirit inside of you as a seal, as a deposit, that you belong to him forever. You have that picture, guys? That he is the God of the heavens and the earth, yet he dwells within us. And he comforts us as a father would comfort his, uh, his son or daughter. How incredible is that? Now, if you're, if you're me, and you're hearing this message, oh, that's cool. I'm glad you're excited about it. But God's voice is not powerful to me. It feels pretty weak to everything happened in my life. And God's voice is anything but personal right now. It feels distant. This thing that you're talking about, it doesn't feel like it's, it's connecting at all. And I got to tell you that there, there are things in our lives that if we don't get right, it's going to hinder the voice of God. God's voice can be personal. It can be powerful. But if we don't allow him to minister in the way that he needs to, we're going to miss. So some of the ways that we miss God's voice is space. Let's just call it out. Let's just be honest, right? We just don't create enough space for God's word. Can I say, I am so, like, I'm guilty of that as well. Like, you are not the only one. Like, I'm, I'm, I am part of that as well. I know why, but it seems like, you know, it's like, it's like Friday night or something, like a Monday night. And, man, I got so much time, you know, I'm going to go on Netflix or I'm going to watch my favorite show. I just watched the, the last Mission Impossible. I mean, I was like, what a boss. What a beast Tom Cruise is, right? The next morning, right, I got to pray. I'm like, man, I got, like, so many things to do. 
I got like a list of like 50 things. Like, where did this come from, you know? Why is it when we make time for the things of God, we just get so busy? We get so overwhelmed, right? It's like, it's like we have squirrel syndrome when it comes to the things of God. Oh, got to do this, got to do this. It's like, no, focus in. And I'm just, I think one of the best ways that we can honor God be, to be generous. You know, we talk about generosity, our time, our, our treasures, and our talent. But often we miss the time part. Don't mess with my time. I, I want to do what I want to do. I got this and I got that. But God's like, don't just tithe your money, tithe your time. Like, that belongs to me too. And so what if we, we, we were less religious about it or less um, duty about it? Or it's like, you know, I'm just going to spend 20 minutes here, 20 minutes. And that's great. But what if it was more of a hard choice? God, I just want to create space for you. Like, what does that look like? I, I want to create space for you. Because God promises, man, if you dig a ditch, he's going to fill it. When you do that. So space, we got to create space. Number two is that we have to, it's going to be a sacrifice. If we're, if, if we're being honest, it's like, oh, like, making room for God's voice, it is the uphill battle. Like, what's convenient is, man, like, if God wants to speak, he's going to speak to me. <laughs> have you guys ever said that before? If he wants to speak to me, he kn- hey, he knows where to reach me. Oh, he, he knows how to reach you. And he knows that someone, he's going to wait for you to come to him, okay? No, uh, he, he's right there. But at the same time, there's a sacrifice. It's like you have to posture your voice. You have to actually wait for him to speak to you. But so often, man, like when we think of growth and personal development in our faith, we have a microwave approach to it. I'm going to put it in. Two minutes later, is it ready? It ain't ready. I'm out. I'm going to something else. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed where it takes time, but after a little bit of time of growth and patience, man, God's going to grow that thing. So sacrifice. And number three is sin. Like, let's just call it what it is. I don't mean mistakes. I don't mean having a bad day. But when we are living in a lifestyle of sin that is going against God's heart, it's not that God's not speaking but your ability here, it shrinks. Does that make sense? That God is speaking. His word is right there. His spirit lives, like, lives within you. But yet when we're living a life of sin, his voice gets dimmer and dimmer. And it's like, I can't believe I'm doing these things. I can't believe I'm thinking these thoughts. Like, like who am I becoming? It's because the sin that we've chosen and God's voice can't break through. See, God's so powerful, but he's also a gentleman. If you close the door on him, he's ain't going to open it, okay? And so we need to give him that space. And, and the fourth one is, it sounds kind of funny, but I've talked to a lot of people about this. What gets, what gets in the way of his voice is just being scared. Like, you know, I, I remember in, um, in Exodus when God's people were released from, uh, from, from Egypt, from those uh, 400 years of being enslaved, and then finally, like, God is ready to talk to them. He's ready to go. But yet he was so powerful, yet so personal. They said to Moses, Moses, you talk to him. Because when God speaks to me, it freaks me out. And some of us were so scared to open up our hearts to God. Because one, we're afraid that he's just not going to show up. Like what if I put myself out there, but God just doesn't show up at all. It's like it's just me and my wall and my Netflix, you know, or my uh, YouTube worship music is just not working. Be on the flip side of us, some of us 
don't want to make that time because we know that if we open that door, he's going to call some things out. Like, I don't know about that relationship. I don't know about that job. I don't know about that attitude. That's just, that's not good. But can I say, if, if you're ever tempted to think that God's will is not what's best for you, then that's the enemy right there. Like, God always has what's best for you. And so we have to, we have to work these things out. But I, I want to share a personal story because my relationship with the Word of God has grown over the years. But it, it always wasn't like that at all. When I was 18 years old, um, I came out of a horrible relationship. Um, I found out after we broke up that she was an atheist. And I'm not throwing shit on, on, on any atheist at all. But me being a Christian, I'm like, I probably should have, like, checked that, right? Go into a relationship. Like, I, I, I think I missed something on, on the way into that relationship. But bad relationship took me physically to places that I, I, I shouldn't have gone. Definitely not uh, pleasing to God at all. Um, I, I was just in a very desperate and broken spot completely. Here's the thing. I got saved when I was 14 years old. Like, I, I, I loved it. But I, I fell off. 18 years old. I am just in this desperate spot. And I came back to church. And I don't know about you, but when you haven't been to church for a long time and, like, you walk in and you feel like everyone's looking at you. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you don't, I mean don't admit to it if you don't want to. But, but you do know what it's like, right? When you walk in and everyone's just, you feel like everyone's looking at you. Guys, my church, there was, like, 2,000 people. Nobody was looking at me. But I was feeling it. I'm like, man, I wonder what Chris was doing all those two years, you know. Like, it wasn't happening at all. But that's how it felt. So I walk in, it's like, I want to worship, I don't feel worthy, so I don't lift up my hands right. The preacher's preaching really good, but I don't even want to look up because, man, it's like, I'm not living right. But I remember when my mentor was like, Chris, you're back. Oh, I'm like, you noticed. <laughs> Great. So we started talking, you know, we started hanging out. And long story short, it's like, Chris, like, man, like, if you really want to get back on track, like, like I want you to read your Bible, I want you to pray. And I'm like, bro, like, I've tried that already. Like, it doesn't work. Like, I read Genesis, like, one, two, three, and before I got bored, and, like, that was it. It's like, Levita, like, Levita what? Like, I just, ugh, I, I just couldn't do it. He's like, listen, Chris, if you really want God, then you're going you're gonna to read your Bible. And I was challenged by that. Like, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I, don't, I don't read books. Like, I'm not a reader, Okay. Okay, and we, we all know what I was like, I'm not a reader, you know, like, well, what are you? I don't know, but I'm not a reader. <laughs> and, and so, but that's, that, that challenged me so much. So I got to a point, but it wasn't next, next day or even next week, but at, at a period of time, I'm like, you know what, God, if you have revealed yourself through your word to me, I'm going to trust that, and I'm going to take that next step. And here's what I realized, guys, is as I was starting to read the Bible, I know this sounds so cliche, but I mean it with all my heart, is that I wasn't just reading the Bible, but the Bible started to read me. And what I mean by that is, as I was reading it, things in my life just started popping up. Like God's like, no, no, Chris, I have so much more for you than that thought right there. Or Chris, you're thinking so low of yourself, I've actually called you to greater things. Chris, if you actually commit yourself and plant yourself in the local church, you will flourish. you got to get yourself in. Mean, all these things that God was just on, on the precipice of wanting to break through. But I, I was not entering into it all because I wasn't a reader. You know what I learned, guys, is that 
it's not about your personality or even your preference that's holding you back, but it's your hunger that's holding you back. And what God was saying is if you're that desperate, you know, it's funny, like my little daughter, bless her heart, but last night she's like, Daddy, I'm hungry. I'm like, guess what, parents, right? Eat your dinner. But Daddy, <laughs> Daddy, what do you think she said? I want a snack. You can have a snack after your dinner, okay? Like, well, I'm like, I paid money for dinner, so you're going to eat your dinner, right? Principle. But two, you don't need any room for snacks. You need to have your dinner. A lot of us, we think of the Word of God, we think of it as a snack. It's nice when we have it. But we're looking to other things for our entree. If I had this, if I had this, if I had this. And God's like, man, there's no room for you to even feast on it because you're filling yourself with other things. And I know what that's like because, man, there's busy seasons, there's hard seasons. But at the same time, if you're in a busy season, I can't think of a better thing for you to feast on than the Word of God. If you're in a hard and stretching and just you're just in it, I can't think of a better thing than to feast on the Word of God. I mean, Corinthians tells that all of his promises are yes and amen. You may be going through pain, but there's a promise to your pain right now. You may be going through something, a hardship, but there is purpose to it. And God wants to unlock that in the word of God. So don't let a personality thing, don't let a preference thing be led by purpose. The greater purpose is God has revealed himself through his word. And if you make space for him, he's going to fill it up. He's going to fill it up. The Bible is so much more than just information. It is about transformation. So let's, you know you're reading from transformation and information because information is like checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. I'm out. Transformation saying, God, I read this word. What do you want to speak to me right now in that way? So what I want to do, guys, as we um, close this out is that, I, gosh, I wish I could have like a table up here, a desk, a Bible. I wish we could do a Bible study. We won't. Don't worry. I'm just like, oh, gosh, time to go. Time for lunch. But I was praying about, man, how can we experience this? Not, I know we can't do a Bible study right now of us together, but how can we experience God's word in a, way, in a, in a personal way? I think this will help. So Hebrews chapter 4 says this. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Keep going, please. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. And so when we read God's voice, when we read, when we read his word, it's so much more than just a science book. It's so much more than a, a biography on, on your favorite, like, president or, or sports athlete or whoever it is. The Word of God is living and active. And that literally means the Word of God is inspired. And inspired means it's more than just like, oh, I'm inspired by the Word of God. Like, man, I'm inspired to be like Rocky or Rudy. That's great. The Word of God will inspire in that way. But inspiration literally means in this passage that it's literally the words of God. That when you are reading the words of God, God is doing something on the inside of you. And I got to encourage you with that. But come on, if we're being honest, like you read your Bible, it's like, man, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. No, something is happening. God's word never comes back void. And I love what Pastor Matt says about this. Is that I have never met somebody that has spent time with God and said, oh, that was a waste of time. But he's met many people 
that have not spent time with God and said, man, I regretted that. I should have made more room. So don't feel like just because nothing is happening in the scene that truly nothing is happening. Because something really is happening because the word of God is alive and it's power, powerful. And, and I want to give an example of this. So in Mark chapter 5, there was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Now, I think maybe, you know, or we think we had a bad day or a bad week. 12 years. Like, come on. Like, that is harsh. That is, you wouldn't even pray that, like, for someone that you don't even like. Like, like 12, that is horrible. She's bleeding for 12 years. And the scriptures tell us that not only did she spend all of her money on doctors, they made it worse and she felt worse. So not only is she spent in, in a bad condition, but now she probably feels hopeless. Like, seriously? Like, everything is gone. And so Jesus is walking by. Bless you. And he, and he has the crowds all, all around him. And yet this woman has this thought, like, you know what? If I can get between the crowds and if I could just touch this man's robe, I'll be good. I'll be good. If I could just touch this man's robe, I'll be solid. I'll be healed. Now, if you read this passage or maybe if you heard this preach, you might have heard a preacher say, man, if, if she, I mean, there was just something about Jesus that, that, that she wanted to grab onto. And I don't, I don't want to disagree with that. But when I look at the text, all it says is he was another option. I've tried this. I've tried that. I see Jesus. Let's try him now, right? Maybe he can help me. So she's pushing, she's pushing, and finally she grabs onto Jesus, and literally the scripture says that immediately she was healed. Immediately. Now that's awesome. We're going to talk about that. But my first thought was, and I read that passage this week, was how come she was the only person that was healed? How come she was the only person that reached out her arm that day? Thousands of people were around the living word of God, yet nobody stretched out their hand to touch him. They were touching him. They were bumping up against him, right? But nobody reached out in faith and grabbed him. And it's just so easy for us to settle for being the crowd and being around Jesus, but not actually reaching out and knowing Jesus personally. And we are so susceptible to that, and, 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 and myself included, whether there are podcasts or books, there are so many things for us to feed ourselves through someone else's faith. And it's like, don't settle for a podcast faith. Don't settle for any of that. Settle for a, a personal faith. I am not saying don't listen. I mean, I listen to other preachers. I enjoy. I love that stuff. But I don't want my foundation to be on that. Because when you are in your deepest, darkest moments, you don't need Stephen Furtick. You don't need Craig Rochelle. You need what the Lord spoke to you personally. So what God spoke to me in the darkness. And so I just, again, again, man, God's going to, I don't want to create like a false divide. God's going to speak to those men of God. God, incredible ways. But what I'm saying is be careful and mindful that you're not settling for someone else's faith. Jesus died for you to have a personal, alive, fiery, passionate walk with God. God wants more. So I'm like, I'm like God, like, I don't want to be who, someone who just walks around with you, but just accepts that my life's just going to be this way, and I never stop stretching. I think that's what happens, is that we're around Jesus, and we just accept things. Man, it's been, it's been, it's been three years. My life's still the same. 
I'm still dealing with my porn addiction. I'm, I'm still broke. Like, I, 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 I'm still looking for the one, but no one's come around. It's like all these things that were, and I had these big things. Like, man, I've been stuck at my job. I hate it, and I've been praying for five years. Lord, where's my job? And I think that is one of the reasons why we stop stretching out our hands. Because, like, Lord, I can't stretch it out anymore. Because if I do, I just, I can't, I can't go like this and just have this happen again. I just can't have that anymore. And this is where we see the personal but yet powerful Jesus come out. So the, 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 the woman's healed. And you think, like, wow, she's healed. All right, have a good day. Did it again. I healed somebody, right? It's like, no. Power came out of me. Who was it? And his disciples were like, dude, like, there's, like, there's a heck of people around you. Like, like, everybody touched you, right? He's like, no, somebody touched me. Bring her to me. So she comes up. It's like, okay, I'm so sorry. Because she wasn't supposed to touch him. In those days, she was ritually unclean. So not only was she um, being an outcast, but whoever she touched, she, that person would become an outcast too. She's like, hey, you know, you know, bring the outcast to me. I'll, I want to talk to her. So he comes to her. I'm oh, sorry, she comes to him, and he says this to her. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I just like, I feel that. I'm like, okay. Her, her, her public world was healed, right? She's physically clean now. Now she can go to church and worship, right? She's not an embarrassment. She can actually be allowed. But what about those years of torment, of embarrassment, of shame, of being separated, of a, a low view of herself, a low view of God, what her family thinks? Like, what about those things? Jesus cares so much where we see the powerful demonstration of his miraculous power. But he said, come here, come here. Daughter, you're healed. Your suffering's over. You know what he was doing? Ex nihilo. He created something out of nothing. He spoke life into her. And he not just sent her off with, with, with a physical healing, but with a spiritual healing. A spiritual healing. And that's what some of us need to do right now in life. Is that a lot of us, are, we have a hard time thinking that we can have faith because our lives don't line up with that word. But here's the thing. Faith in Christ does not deny your circumstances, but it denies it's the final word on your circumstances. And a lot of times, we believe that what we're feeling right now, that's the final word. But last time I checked the grave, they thought that him being um, crucified was the last word, but there was a resurrection. There was a third day. So some of us, we, just, we, need, to, we need to close our door and just be with Jesus. And we need to be honest we need to keep it real. I don't know about you, but this is what a church prayer sounds like, okay? Like, God, you're amazing. You're incredible. Like, I love you. But inside, right, you're like, you're like so anxious and so like, I hate my life. It's like, what if you say, God, like, I'm so anxious. I love my life, but things are hard right now. Like, like, like speak to me. Like, I, I'm desperate for you. Like, I am not in a good place right now. And here's what starts to happen. Faith will start to arise inside of you. When if you are doubting the faithfulness of God, like, God, I'm struggling. Things are so hard. I, I don't know if I can do this. But, Lord, Philippians 1, 6 tells me that he who started a good work in me, he will bring it to completion. Not me. Not this. You will bring it to completion. If you're just feeling so attacked, your family life is just crazy. 
crazy. And the enemy's coming after you. It's like, God, I, just, I feel so trapped. I feel so stuck. But God, I know what John tells me. The greater is he that lives in me than he in the world. So I'm not going to look to the scene. I'm not going to look to the public. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit inside of me. you got to speak faith in your circumstance. you got to speak. And, it, and a lot of times we just, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a little fake when I'm speaking things. I want to think that are real, but they're not happening. But it's actually the opposite. Because if you only spoke things that you thought were real, that's not faith at all. That's yourself. That is not a powerful, that is not a personal God. Our powerful God that when you say, when you speak it out, man, God is working on your behalf. Some of us, we just need to get into God's word because this is going to remind us of who God is. You know, James tells us that when we read his word, but we don't do what it says, it's like we look into a mirror and we just forget who we are. And I, just, I, I felt this word for some of us when I was praying this morning for you, was that it's just easy to be a Christian and do the Christian things that I'm going to read, I'm going to pray, but just have not, not have our hearts in it. And I've, I've done that, guys, so many times, so there's no guilt, there's no condemnation. But I just feel like God wants, if we just look at the Word of God and give it a fresh look, a fresh take, and look at it through the lens of the gospel. That he died for me. He lived the life I should have lived. He died the death I should have died. And we come from that perspective. Life's going to start happening again. Life's going to start coming back again. So here's what I, what I just, man, would just urge you to do this week. Is I want you to close the door again. Close the door. I know space is going to be an issue. I know that sacrifice is going to be a cost of it. I know there might be some sin that you're wrestling with. And you might even be scared that what if I show up, but God doesn't show up. And can I tell you, my friend, Jeremiah tells us that when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And so, man, crack open the Bible again. Crack open it again. And maybe it's just your first time. That's okay. We want to be a church that will resource you. Baton Church.cc resources. We have a whole bunch of you to to invest.